Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today, I'm joined by former Washington tight end Logan Paulson, who was out at practice for most of the past week and was on with the team's Julie Donaldson throughout the week. Logan is always excellent at providing details based on what he sees because he knows what to look for as much as anybody. Don't forget, I will be doing more drafts with Underdog Fantasy this month. I held one earlier in the week, quick, easy, cheap, no stress involved because there's nothing to maintain during the season. They do the work for you. You draft enough that it's not an issue. And I'm going to be likely doing another one on Sunday. So look for some more information on Twitter during the day. And you can read my story on Landon Collins, which is up now on ESPN.com. I'll just say in the early part of camp, Collins has looked pretty good. You've listened to my takes all week now on various podcasts. If you haven't gotten them, go back and listen to them. They're all quick. But now I want you to hear from somebody else who has been out of practice. So let's get to my conversation with former tight end Logan Paulson. He goes through the rookies as well as a number of other spots, including quarterback, of course. What he's seen from running back Antonio Gibson. Is there any concerns about his toe? And much more. Logan, you had a chance to be out at practice this week, multiple days. Great opportunity to see some things. In general, what are some of your early impressions about what you saw out there this week? So I think overall, like, I'm pretty impressed where the team was at. You know, I think a lot of the guys, a lot of the question marks I had, especially about the young players, were answered. You know, seeing Sam Cosme out there, heard early on that he was having a tough time in pass protection. And then, you know, maybe it was the addition of the pads. Maybe he's just kind of getting more comfortable with the offense. But look pretty good. You know, looked like a starting right tackle in the NFL. Obviously, he's not perfect by any stretch, but kind of quelled some of my concerns regarding his – ability to play right tackle in the NFL. Obviously, like I'm, I think I'm well documented as saying, like I think he could be a very, very good player if he got a couple things fixed. And it appeared, um, it appeared when I was there for my four days that those things were well on the way to being fixed. And then, what, uh, what, I'm not to interrupt you. If yeah. I can continue on that, we'll get back to those stuff. And I apologize for that. But what did you see that quelled those fears? So some of the things that like I talked about on this show before, like in terms of hand placement, how he was setting in terms of hand carriage and pass protection, um, he seemed to have a much better carriage of his hands, a little higher understanding. You know, he doesn't have the longest arms in the whole world, but understanding how to fit on the defensive player. You know, I saw a couple pass rushes with Chase Young where Chase tried to bull him. Guys with shorter arms have a hard time with that because they have less time to kind of absorb the force. And he kind of had a nice underhook on one side and a nice clamp on the upper breastplate and found a good footing, you know, against Chase Young on two repetitions. And then was able to kind of move his feet and show that athleticism that everyone was talking about in the pre-draft process. So it made me feel really confident in the team drills. I thought he did a good job against Montez. You know, Montez, I think, has been kind of 
getting after him. I, you know, I kind of rely on you for the early camp yeah. stuff. And, of course, you know, he had some – gave up some sacks and pressures to Montez. And Montez has some of the longest arms in the NFL. So that's like a worst-case scenario for him. But I saw him kind of understanding how to use his feet a little bit better and position himself a little bit better to kind of handle that long arm and those those bull rushes from those two elite pass rushers. And, and because those two are different pass rushers, how does that help him? So I think it's awesome. You know, you get Chase. I think Chase is trying to figure out his pass rushing philosophy a little bit still, right? You know, you've talked, we, me and you have talked at great lengths about how, you know, Montez went from year one to year two and you saw an evolution in his production because he had a plan as a rusher, right? Yeah. And I still think Chase is trying to figure that out. Like I think back to his college tape, and I think to myself, he's a guy who was used to having a tremendous get off attacking the edges of, of tackles and being ahead, being one step ahead of the college tackles. Now those guys are much better athletes. So you get different rush styles, right? You get a guy in, in Montez who's a little bit more edgy, great, like dominant kind of long arm, right? And is really explosive off the edge. And Chase um, is, is still developing his right. plan as a pass rusher, but is a great athlete, very physical. I mean, you see him in person and it's impressive, right? He's like, He's like a like a Madden character, like quite literally. Like right. he's how you would create somebody to play defensive end, and that's how he looks. And I think that's um, pretty spectacular. So to go against a guy with his athletic skill set and his physical tools every single day is just going to make him better because he's going to cause me. He's going to develop methodologies for defeating defeating different types of rushers, and it's awesome right. to have two kind of unique styles on the same team. And that's why I asked it because not only unique styles, but effective unique styles. Right. And that, you know what I mean? Guys who could be in that top 10 range as pass rushers this year. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what, what other, go, before I cut you off, what were some of the other observations that you had? So, and then you kind of go down the list in terms of draft picks, right? You say, you look at uh, Benjamin St. Just and you say, there's a guy who's, who kind of fits the evaluation, right? Physical, long arms, Decent turning his hips. Like, obviously, there could be some improvement there, but that was the the tape from college kind of alluded to that a little bit. But a guy who could play outside the NFL, and that's ultimately what you want to see. Like, is he ready to do that right now? I mean, probably not, but it's coming along, and I think that that is a positive sign, kind of a hit. I didn't watch De'Ami Brown a ton, but in what you do see, you see a guy who understands kind of the more nuanced side of route running, which is something I was concerned about. His route tree at uh, Carolina was not overly – demanding or complex so you kind of wonder like how's he going to handle like these deep digs these in cuts um you know the comebacks like the more nuanced shorter stuff and you see a guy who has a technical acumen to do that which is always great to see and then um Bates I mean I, we talked about him a lot like in line like I was very impressed with him for a rookie to be coming and playing with the physicality that he had I, I was very impressed obviously as a pass protector um, which is to be expected as a pass protector because he showed struggles with that in college too, needs improvement. And then off the ball stuff, as we talked about, like, you know, kind of they, they, they move the tight end around a little bit, insert him in like almost like a fullback. And he didn't do that a lot at Boise. So it doesn't look quite as dominant. And I use the word dominant because there were times where he's locking out defensive ends and yeah. driving guys down the field. And you're like, that's, that's legit blocking tight end stuff. So I think that's going to pay dividends for the Washington football team. Um, you know, the other guy I was impressed with was the safety. I forget his name. Um, the draft Derek Forrest. Yes. Forrest, like bigger than I thought. And you kind of say, Oh, well he's, he's big, so he can't move very well, but dexterous, aggressive to the football. 
and you see value there. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's good. Like all the picks seem to kind of be who the evaluation process indicated they would be, except for perhaps maybe Jamin Davis. You know, like I kind of, you know, you saw my process with Jamin. I kind of talked myself into liking him more and more as the process went on, because the more you watch his tape, he shows good stuff. So I will say I didn't see the guy – I didn't see that tremendous athlete that I saw at Kentucky. Now there could be a, a myriad of reasons for that. You know, we just had an eye injury a couple of days ago. It's, you know, it's their first, it's like their first time in pads. You could be tired. They're putting a ton of stuff on him. He just didn't look as confident in diagnosing route concepts and in diagnosing coverages. Like one play that sticks out to me very vividly is they ran a keeper. So like fake run action left, the offensive left quarterback boots to the offensive right. And then all the routes kind of, roll to the offensive right to kind of match the quarterback. And in college, he was outstanding at getting under that over route that's a 10 yards. Like right. he was very good at it. And then in the red zone period the other day, and granted, this is one rep, he just looked a little lost. You know, he didn't know where to go. He didn't run to the to his spot the way he was. And again, he's learning a new defense. He's calling a defense. He's got tremendous responsibility. So but, but I would say everybody of the draft picks, even like guys like Shaka Tony, like, they kind of fit with what you expected them to look like. And then Jamin was a little bit different. Now there's, like I said, there's a whole bunch of reasons for that. I don't think you need to sell the car on that in any way, but you know, like I think that's something that I'm, if I was going to practice, I would just keep an eye on how is he mentally picking up? Can he start playing fast and playing with the athleticism that we saw during his pro day and then during uh, the evaluation process in college? And like like you said, they are at, they're asking him to call signals and to yeah. see if he can handle that role, and then to see not only can he call call the plays, but then process on the field with right. all that knowledge in there. So that's this is all because they can always slide into another spot if they needed to. And I think another really good point to talk about is like call, uh, NFL offenses are so much more complicated from a formation. And from a personnel standpoint, so even pre-stat for him, he's got so, especially playing Mike, he's got so much more to digest. I know people want to give Bostic a hard time, but that guy is outstanding at getting people lined up and getting the right defense called and understanding what what the offense is trying to do. Like he's been the starter in nickel. And I think the one reason you see him starting in base and nickel is because he's a smart dude. You know what I mean? And he's really lined up. And so the question is, can Jamin, who I think is a better athlete, has a, like I saw, I got to see him in person. He walked by me. He is a big, yes, he is looking, long arms. Yes, like he, like he, it's all there physically. It's just about I think whether or not mentally they can, because like again, they're putting him in a mic, which is a yeah. tremendous responsibility. So right, and that's why I say that because I know people are going to hear us say, "Oh, they're going to freak out," but no. there is a learning process here for him, and part of that process for him is for them to see. What can he handle? Now, this is the stuff that we did, that they, we, they didn't get to see from players last year. It's why it took several games into the season to make certain changes, not just quarterback, but others, because they didn't, not only did the players not get that experience, but the coaches didn't know what they could handle. Big difference. And again, like for your listeners, like, I don't think, I think Jamin Davis still has the potential to be the rookie of the, the defensive rookie of the year. Like that's how, that's how highly I think of him. But I don't, I think the process for him in terms of growth is just, it's it's slowed, you know what I mean, and yeah, yeah. that there's many reasons for that. So don't again, don't freak out about yeah. this. It's, <laughs> it's eight days of training camp. Like there's so much more time to go here. Hey folks, would you like free tickets for the preseason game against the Baltimore Ravens? 
Well, you're in luck because our sponsor, Prosper Insurance, is giving a ticket to anyone who gets a home and auto quote with them. You don't even have to buy a policy to get the free ticket, although the savings will absolutely make you want to switch today. Finding the right insurance can be a pain, but Prosper makes the process easy, all while providing great service and advice. Their licensed advisors shop the market with top companies like Allstate, Nationwide, Progressive, Travelers, and more to find you the perfect coverage at a great rate, which is just a few of the many reasons why Prosper has over 1,000 five-star reviews on Google. You have nothing to lose. Simply visit prosper.insurance.com to get your quote and a free ticket to the Baltimore preseason game on August 28th. That's prosper.insurance.com, K-E-I-M, no.com. Get ready to feel good about your insurance. What's the hardest position for you to gauge how a guy is doing in camp? I think uh, the hardest one just uh, in, in terms of evaluation period is defensive back, I think. Yep. Because they're not involved in every single play, right? Like they, they're on the field, but like, you know, let's say it's a, let's say the coverage rolls to the three by one side and the quarterback's reading away. He gets kind of beat, but you don't really know if it's real or not because he he knows that the read's the other side and he's kind of playing this soft, like, slew-footed cover three. So you're like, is that how he's supposed to do it? I, you know what I mean? And then, again, like, how physical is he with receivers? That stuff comes across in practice, you know what I mean? Like we talked about um, uh, the, the DB uh, from Minnesota. We're blanking on his name St. right Juiced. now. St. Juiced, yeah. Um, and I think you see – those physical attributes but then you kind of wonder like oh i didn't see him defend any deep posts which he had a hard time with in college so has he got that corrected are they going to ask him to do that even like are they going to kind of totally game plan around that skill set or what so i think those guys can be you know like landon college is another great example like i thought he looked good he's moving well physically moved well but like is he in the right spot is he fitting in the right area like you don't really know it's hard to do that in practice, I guess. Well, and I always I always have a hard time with safeties for that reason because it's also like, you know, you come up and you know how it is in practice. Well, I'm going to tap you. Yeah. I'm going to tap you. I got you down because I tapped you. Well, in the yeah. game, that tap could be a broken tackle. But it also then, like, are you coming up at the same angle and what angles right. you're taking and how are you reading it? So I always have a hard time with safeties. And that's why people always freak out with Troy Apke. Yeah. Last year in camp, he looked pretty good. Now, if they had played preseason games, I think you see something different. Right. It would have given them a better evaluation. But the problem was that he looked better than the other guys at that position. And you can blame, you know, people can freak out about him, but I'd get mad at the others at the position last yeah. year because in practice, that's how it looked. They didn't have the games to go evaluate and, and the practices can really fool you at times. Yeah, I think you're right. I think especially with safeties, right? Like yeah. I remember when I was in uh, Atlanta, like they always talked about how their safety, their midfield safety was like the uh, the center fielder for the defense, like nothing could get by them. And so they had some guys that looked pretty dang good at tracking the ball and taking good angles. And then all of a sudden when they had a real live ball carrier and the ball was in their hand and they were tracking that ball carrier, they started taking creative angles because they didn't like either know how to tackle or feel comfortable tackling these bigger guys. So I think, again, like everyone's like freaking out about four preseason games, but I love the four preseason yeah. games because it gave you good time yeah. to make these decisions, you know? Yeah, and I and like I said, the coaches need to know, and right. the coaches did not know. They they didn't know what how Dwayne Haskins was going to handle something. They didn't know how after right. look. And, you know, for a guy like Antonio Gibson last year, he had to learn to be a running back in the regular season. He didn't have yeah. a value. So I think there's a lot of value. What do you read into when things are like, what are some of the little things you're going to read into in camp to say, oh, 
maybe this guy is further ahead on the list than others think. So I think the biggest one for me was Hemingway in the tight end position. Mm-hmm. Like he was a guy that I had kind of written off. I thought the, I thought you bring Ricky Seals Jones in to kind of yeah. back up um, and be like your move kind of F tight end, a guy who's going to make a lot of plays in the passing game. Then you talk to the tight end coach a little bit. You, you watch how they're allocating them during special teams period and how they're allocating them in like team run. And Hemingway is the guy that's in there, you know? He's in there a lot. And he's physical. He does a good job. He's got a nice knack for like that fullback type stuff we yeah. said that Bates was struggling with. So if he could kind of clamp that down and perform on special teams, I think he's got the best path right now. You know, Sam East is a little banged up at the moment, not practicing. So he's not getting better. But I think if you're keeping three right now, I think Ricky Seals-Jones is outside looking in because I think they've got two guys they really like at Bates and Hemingway in the yeah. sense that like they're physical, tough. And Hemingway, like I always thought he was more of a receiver, but he's a physical looking guy. He plays physically. He gets chippy. He's got a nice attitude. So he's a guy that I, um, in watching practice, I was like, I became more impressed with him as the day went on. And then the other guy that really stood out to me, to be quite frank, is AGG. And I'm not saying like AGG is going to be the next, you know, Brandon Marshall or anything like that. But in terms of showing signs of life, you know what I mean? Because I thought he was dead in the water totally. But then you go out there and he's showing nice work, nice footwork on the releases Obviously, there's still so, like he's still so green, you know, like there's still a lot of areas to improve there for him. But showing an ability to win 50 50 balls like that is good because that's why he's here. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, they want you. Yeah. Yep. And, and, you know, it's funny because like with Hemingway, he's really good as a move blocker. Yeah. And that is then and that and we've talked the other day that runs. That's what Bates is not as good at. Bates yeah. is much better in line. So you have two. And in that fullback role, you need that guy who can do that. Right. Hemingway gives you that. And so that's why, you know, I've been talking to some people too. I'm like, I, if I had to put up my 53 now, he's on yeah, the roster. He's on the roster. I agree. Before, I mean, camp, before camp, I took put Seals Jones just because he's a vet. But I, I had Hemingway and then I switched it right. because I'm going with the vet. This guy's got, what, one catch in the NFL? Yeah. But this is a group that liked him. And I with AGG, I agree. I think last year um, he looked – there wasn't, and I've said this before on the podcast, there was not a single play last summer where I said, oh, that's why they drafted him. And you right. should be able to see that, right? right? Now, there are reasons for that. It was the first time on the field with these guys. Not everybody is going to develop the same way. I get that. But the bottom line is you didn't see it. Well, this year you're seeing it. And this is their pick. <laughs> the, yeah. the offensive coordinator, Scott Turner, liked him coming out. you know, And, and so I don't think they're going to give up on him casually. So I, yeah. I I and I don't, yeah. I don't think they should, to be quite honest. Like, yeah. he's he's a big, athletic guy. Um, my one question for him in terms of making the team is how does he handle the special teams role? You know what I mean? Like, we're, like Julie asked me that question. I thought, man, Julie, that's such a great question, Julie Donaldson. Yeah. Because that he's going to be kind of the bottom guy in that room, you know? Correct. Can he contribute on special teams? Because, you know, we've seen, like, uh, that, that, you know, fifth, sixth maybe receiver spot has to be kind of a dog on special teams. And Yep. You know, can he do that? So can he do that? And then one benefit they have is Cam Sims can do that. And yes. so like so he, you know, Cam is really good in that area. And they may yes. keep another receiver who might be a returner too. Yeah. And um AGG might be inactive for a lot of those games. But right. yeah, I mean that guy traditionally speaking of special teams, and I mentioned this with Troy Apke the other day about how if you want to look for clues as to where guys are, you look right. at the special teams units. People freak out, but it's like I can't help it. I don't put guys out there. Yeah. You know, it doesn't mean that he's great from scrimmage. It just means – so that's what I was talking about earlier. Like, what are some little things, if you're a player, with, that you're going to look into to see 
what are my chances? Like, you know, are there some little things that, you know, others, again, outside here might not look at, but that a player is going to look at to see what are my real chances? Yeah. So one of the big things is like, obviously people look, they go to practice, they say, oh, you know, let's take Appy as an example. He's working with the threes. Like he's screwed. He's playing a new position. Like he's out. And he right? doesn't look great either. At times. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, but what I look at with Appy, cause he is a, he, in my mind, reads like almost a puncher, a kicker, or a long snapper. Like that is his role. And he is playing special teams, right? Like I told you this the other day, like Danny Smith told me, the most yeah. important position on the special teams outside of your punter is your gunner. And Apke plays gunner, and he plays it pretty darn good. And he's big, and he's fast, and that's what you're looking for at that spot. So think about this. Like, you know, you punt the ball 50 yards down the field, right? If you get a guy that's down there in the returner's face, like making him fair catch it, which which you talked about Cam since. He did a great job of doing that last year. That, was really good, that adds tremendous value to your defense, right? Because if you start a drive inside the 20-yard line, you know, like the, the chances of that, of, of an opposing team scoring on that drive is like, it's like, five percent or some ridiculous statistic like that so that's where his value is he's going to play on all core special teams so when i look at apke and i say i go to practice he's starting on punt he's starting on punt return he's starting on kickoff he's starting on kickoff return he's a four core special teams player and he's starting on all of them now that's subject to change obviously but i think the special sure. probably looks at that and says this guy is a guy that i want and the special teams guy depending on his influence in the room can keep up to four guys that he wants that are teams that are that are that are offensive defensive players. He can be like, I want these guys for teams. Like Miles Paul's for a couple of years when he was yeah. the PC of the of the um of the punt team, played a little gunner. He did all sorts sorts of stuff. He was a guy that Danny Smith was like, I want him on the team. You know what I mean? And like that's how he stuck around for a couple of years until he became the baller at tight end. You know what I'm saying? So I think people need to keep that in mind when they look at the depth charts yeah. and stuff. And, and I'm not even trying to advocate or push for anybody. I just know the criticism and a lot of it's deserved. It's deserved for his play on the field. We all saw it. I mean, I'm not going to disagree with what anybody says out there, but you can't assume certain things just because of that. And that's what I'm looking at because, you know, you, it is separate. It's like we brought like Jared Norris makes made the team special teams. He's not going to play from scrimmage. It's just special teams. How many guys can you have that don't play from scrimmage? I don't know. Right. Um, DeShazer Everett may, has made a career to that. Now he also has developed its safety, much better safety. I like DeShazer. So yeah, you know, there are different things. Um, like, moving on from that, because again, I don't want to sit there and talk about a lot of Troy Aki. I just know that perception of him. And I'm just telling people like, this is also what we're seeing when you're trying to compile the 53. These are just think, yeah, trying I, to I'm just using him as an example, but like that, yes. those, those tiers of the depth chart for special teams, in some ways, in terms of determining the bottom half of the roster, right, are almost more important than what you're getting on the offensive defense. And, and just for people listening, I did mention others who were on those lists the <clears> other day because I, I agree with you, Logan. Um, court, just a couple more things. Quarterbacks, what have you seen from that group? Yeah, so I, I think it's been kind of what I expected. Like Fitzpatrick's look good. He looks like an NFL starting quarterback. You know what I mean? Like is he a top 10 quarterback in the NFL? Like probably not. Is he a top 20 Maybe, right? Is he one of the better – like, would he be kind of middle of the pack in terms of quarterbacks I've played with in my career? Yeah, and I think that gives you a shot to win football games, right? He, under, he seems to understand the offense. He understands the formation advantages that Scott Turner is trying to give him. Like, all those things. Like, it, it, I think there's been a lot of talk about the competition. To me, it's – at least the four days I was at practice, it's Fitzpatrick all the way. 
you know, if you're betting on it like that line, I think is it should be 100% Fitzpatrick because while while Heineke looks very good, he's a little off schedule, and those are things that younger quarterbacks do, right? They hold the ball a little bit long, they wait for stuff to come open. With Fitzpatrick, none of that's there, none of that hesitation. I, I always I'm, I'm I'm Fitzpatrick all the way at this point. Yeah, and I, and I would agree. I and I think I know Taylor had a really good practice on what's today Friday. He had a good practice on Thursday, a couple dimes. He shows the stuff. He shows what he can do. And I think the good thing for him is that players do like him. So if nothing else, when he, if he has to come into a game, they have some trust for him. So um, last thing, I just want um, to, well, I'll go on two more guys, Antonio Gibson and then Terry McLaurin. I want to bring up Terry McLaurin because I've kind of talked a lot about him on here and things that you pick up watching him. And I'll go back and watch the practice video I shoot just to try and see like, what does this guy do different as a route runner? Yeah. But he seems from I don't know from your perspective, and you know I know you were tight end versus receiver, but he doesn't seem to have a lot of noise in his body when he runs routes. I don't know if that's the best way to describe it or not, but I think I think that's exactly right. I think when you look at really good route runners, they just there's like a I don't know if you've heard the expression like fast, but be 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 fast but smooth, right? The right. really good route runners have that ability. Like Pierre Garcon had that ability, and he's a very good route runner. You know what I mean? Just had this ability to like be fast, but like be in total control of his body. Right. And when I see Terry practicing, he practices with that kind of deliberate focus as a route runner. And I think, um, you know, like I, for a long time, I didn't understand why Terry was so good. You know, I understand like he just, he doesn't have any, like, you know, I played with Julio Jones. I played with Pierre. I played with these right. guys who were big, you know, I played with DeAndre Hopkins, like big physical guys that you can immediately see. And he's not really like that. But you see it. You see his his tremendous value. You see what makes him great in his um, in in his in his preparation and his attention yeah. to detail when he runs routes specifically. I, I love watching him run routes, and I use him as a blueprint for everybody else that follows him <laughs> in the line to see do they run with the same stem. And if you're not, then it's like, well, this is why he creates separation. It's that patience. You create that separation top route because you're willing to do a harder stem because you're not as right. you're fast, but you're not in a hurry. Whereas I see some other guys, they don't do the stem the same way. Maybe they don't create the same separation. Right. So he does. And it's all I think it's that that adherence to details and the patience with which he goes. Last guy, Antonio Gibson, early thoughts. I think you know, I was kind of worried because you know, I've had turf toe before. I missed the whole season with a turf toe injury and I've talked to guys and just how it can linger and stick around. And it's so important for your explosive burst. And I was kind of expecting to see a guy a little bit more hobbled, but he made some really nice runs, you know, looking powerful. He's much bigger than you think. Like when you see him, like he's a yes. big dude yeah. and he runs strong. He's got that nice elusiveness and he's got great burst, you know, like that burst was there. I, I was expecting to see a guy who didn't quite have that, that fifth gear. And, there, and, and it was there. He had a couple runs like, and it's hard again. It's hard to evaluate backs uh, in practice. You know what I mean. But in terms of hitting, the hole, like hitting the hole, bursting through the hole, I think people probably have heard that before. Like not dawdling in there and just running through. He looked great, and um, it, it, it quelled a lot of my concerns about where he was in terms of the recovery process. Yeah, me too. I think early on in camp, there was a couple questions like, "Oh, did you see that? Did I? Am I seeing this right?" Yeah. And but what I also and I said this the other day, but what he also knows, he hasn't sat out. Yeah. That to me, is a tell. Is if, right. you're, if it's bothering you, they're going to limit him or all that. They haven't been limiting him. So I think he seems to be, he certainly seems to be good to go. So right. anyway, Logan, I appreciate you joining me. Always love the breakdowns and it's been fun seeing you out of practice. Oh, thanks, man. It was great seeing you too. And I appreciate you having me on the show. 
Let's talk about Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the best and easiest place to play fantasy football for big cash prizes. An Underdog Fantasy you just draft. No need to worry about waivers, lineups, or injuries. Underdog handles it all for you. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft a season-long best ball team, and that's it. No in-season management. They're going to give you $25 when you sign up so you can take a free shot at a $1 million grand prize in their fantasy football tournament. That's right. You can get a free $25 in bonus cash on Underdog Fantasy if you use the code KIME, K-E-I-M, when you make your first deposit. I love Underdog because it's just so easy to use. The mobile app is slick. The website is user-friendly. So do what I've been doing. Go to underdogfantasy.com, join a league, draft a team, and that's it. You're good for the season. Remember, go to underdogfantasy.com, the App Store, or the Google Play Store, sign up with the code KIME, K-E-I-M, and get a free $25 in bonus cash. That's it for this episode. I know there's a practice Friday night, but unless something big happens, the next report will come Sunday afternoon when Washington resumes practice in Ashburn. Talk to you next time.